Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the And Also podcast. My name is Madison. I am your host. And today's episode, we have a very, very special guest coming on in a topic that I've just really wanted to dive into with somebody who has been through something similar. Because it's something that I have struggled with personally and has really made a huge imprint on my life. And so finding someone who's been through something similar is just bizarre and amazing that we can connect and then share the conversation with you guys who have maybe potentially been through the same thing as well. But before we get into our topic of the day, let's start off with our drink of the day. So I wanted to get something fun, something fresh, and I used to be obsessed with the Olipop strawberry vanilla. haven't had it in a while. Saw it at Target and was like, I gotta have this. So this is, yeah, Olipop strawberry vanilla. It's a new kind of soda, prebiotics, botanicals, and plant fiber. I guess it's just like one of the classic prebiotic sodas that is supposed to be better for you. I don't really know, nor do I care. I just want it to taste good and that's what it does. So let's get into it. Mm, it's like cream soda with a twist, just like fruity cream soda. So yeah, if you haven't tried Olipop, you should definitely try it. And if you have, let me know which one is your favorite in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. All right. And then next we have our book of the day. This is another topic where I didn't have a book that directly related to the interview topic, but I felt like this one was just really interesting because it explores like a type of existence anxiety, if you will. Um, it's called The Sunny Nihilist, A Declaration of the Pleasure of Pointlessness by Wendy Seifert. And one, I literally love this cover. Two, it's a really easy philosophy read. I know a lot of like older philosophy and like French philosophy, translated philosophy can be a little bit convoluted and just so dense and so just like, okay, that's enough. Get to the point. So especially if you want to get into reading philosophy and you feel like, you know, jumping straight into Sartre or Nietzsche is a little bit dense and just like, what are you guys saying? This is an awesome book for you. So it kind of talks about what is the point of anything, really, of existence. Why are we doing any of this? What is the bigger meaning? Maybe there is no bigger meaning. If you're questioning any of it, this is a way to find optimism in nihilism. And I struggle with nihilism a lot. And I call it a struggle because it is a struggle. It's hard to live a life that feels extremely, extremely meaningless and pointless. And for me, even though it's been a struggle to feel that way, it's also helped me find a lot of solace in very, very small things like just creating art, moments with my loved ones, living in the now and just trying to soak it all in and make my own positive twists on things. And I feel like this book does a great job at kind of very like simply making you feel better about the fact that this life is, yes, very pointless, very like what is going on at all times and why am I wasting my time doing any of this? Is it even worth it? It takes those kind of nihilistic feelings and just helps to put a more optimistic spin on them. And I feel like I should probably read this again because... I'm back in my nihilist era and it's not good. And people constantly tell me I'm so pessimistic. Girl, I am not pessimistic. I am realistic, okay? I kind of cut the bullshit in life. 
I'm not going to be hopelessly hopeful. Hope always lets me down. I'm not going to be overly toxically positive. It's not good for anybody. It's a big cope. That's all that is. Look, at the end of the day, if it's true that life is meaningless and we're just going to die and it all means nothing and that's just this is all it is, at least we can find ways now to make it bearable and enjoyable. And that's not necessarily pessimistic. That's just kind of realistic with a sprinkle of pessimism and a sprinkle of optimism. What can I say? So if you're looking to engage in some existentialist philosophy, but you don't want to take the traditional quote-unquote pessimistic route, um, the Sunny Nihilist is the way to go. All right, you guys. So today's topic is emetophobia. If you don't know what emetophobia is, it is basically a very intense phobia of throwing up. I'm going to read you the definition so that you guys have a better understanding going into this interview. So emetophobia is an extreme fear of vomiting. It can happen after a negative experience with vomiting, or maybe you see somebody else have a negative experience with vomiting. Someone with emetophobia might experience really intense anxiety prior to or in anticipation of throwing up. It often kind of spirals into different types of anxiety as well. Like for me, it's kind of manifested in having anxiety around eating in general, eating in unfamiliar places, eating foods outside of my comfort zone. Um, and you'll hear more about the guest experience. And honestly, emetophobia has a pretty significant impact on a lot of people's lives. And it's something that is really not talked about a lot. And so that's why I wanted to really get into this topic today. So without further ado, let's introduce our guest and talk about emetophobia. All right. So for today's episode, we have a very special guest. Um, I would love for you to introduce yourself and kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Alana. I've been struggling with emetophobia or emetophobia since I was like, oh God, I don't even know, probably since I was like a little kid. Um, and that's our topic for today. I am currently a college student. I'm in my senior year. So love that for me. And I'm working on my second degree in psychology. So yeah, that's you know, awesome. It's kind of my thing now. So <laughs> that's awesome. What do you want to do? Like, out of college? Yeah, so I want to work in animal assisted therapies. So over the last semester, I studied out in Indiana and worked with a therapeutic riding facility, so oh. equine services. It was really, really fun. But um, I want to get more into like psychotherapies instead of helping kids with disabilities. I'd be more focused on kids with like depression, anxiety, OCD disorders, OCD related disorders. And um, yeah, I could definitely see myself expanding like past equine and more into like the general animal therapy. I really should have brought Gio today. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Dang. No. Oh my gosh. Well, I definitely could have used that when I was a kid, um, especially in regards to this whole topic. I feel like so many kids struggle with very niche anxieties and yes. parents just don't really know what to do or like don't understand it. Or they don't notice it either. That's no. the thing. So like the thing that I notice with my kids is that um, one of my students, I guess you could call her, I noticed and I picked up on her that she started being like very picky with like how she placed the saddle on the horse or placed the bridle or mm. she would do it a certain number of times and none of the adults or the other kids in the room would pay attention and it turned out she had an OCD related um, anxiety disorder and I was like oh 
Interesting. It's like the smallest thing too. Yeah. And a lot of times I feel like it's passed off as just like kid behavior, just like, mm-hmm. oh, they're just growing, they're just developing. Yeah. Like maybe it's not that. Maybe it's a little deeper than that. <laughs> yeah, actually. like maybe something's actually going on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I would love to hear kind of your your story with emetophobia and, and just your background and what your experience was growing up and then kind of where it is now. Yeah, totally. So I started noticing um, I had some panic around like anything nausea or like, you know, emetophobia related stuff when I was like, oh God, I was in sixth grade. How old are you when you're in sixth grade? Like 12? Like 11 or 12, yeah. Yeah. So it was because in our health class, we watched Super Size Me. Oh my God. I remember when we watched that. Yep. And that set me off. Actually, wow. from Super Size Me, I, the next year, my New Year's resolution was to not eat McDonald's for a year. And I did it. But, you know, that probably wasn't good for a kid with emetophobia. Right, because it's like, where is that stemming from? That, and it's like, you know, like, that's the complete opposite of exposure therapy. Right, right. (laughs) Like, you're just almost reiterating your fear. Exactly, that's what it was. (sighs) But, yeah, so it started when I was, like, 11, 12. Um, I noticed, like, OCD-related stuff when I was, like, really early elementary age. Um, Fourth grade is when it really started to pick up. Mm. Um, I noticed I would do things a certain amount of times or I would... Um, have really crazy anxieties and beliefs over really stupid things. <laughs> no, I you know? get that. Like, you know, as a kid, when you're told, like, oh, step on the crack, you break your mother's back. Like, you I literally that thought seriously. Yep. I was like, <laughs> I can't do this. My Maria, like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, you're done for, girl. <laughs> so sorry. Sorry in advance. Sorry. But, um, you know, seriously. And I would count like mm. crazy. I remember the specific moment that I was like, okay, something is not right. I was in sixth grade and we were the first year to get iPads. Oh my god. So I we were like writing notes on like notability or something and I could not write the letter A, like a lowercase letter A. I rewrote it probably like twenty to thirty times. Like Oh my god. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily because like I, I was trying to ease an anxiety, but I was like, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. You know? So I was like, okay weird but you know I'm like in fourth grade or sixth grade so I'm like whatever I'll move on from it and then fast forward to like high school and it was like OCD I would have intrusive thoughts and I would ruminate on them and like Mm -hmm. I couldn't get them out of my mind and then it went from that to just straight like if I go out in the world I'm gonna get sick and that's gonna be it like I'm like that's it yep so I kind of became an agoraphobe maybe not necessarily full-fledged, but, like, I started noticing, and that's yeah. when I really, like, took it back, and I was like, I can't keep doing this with my life. I was like, I need to live. Like, I'm, you know, I was 15 when it got really, really bad. Um, I'm, And let me know if you experience any of this, because it is such, like, a... It's so weird hearing somebody else, like, talk, talk about, about that, because yeah. it has been in my head for so long that I was like, this is just part of like my personality almost versus it actually being something in my like mental health that needed to be worked on. Mm -hmm. The first time I remember like an actual experience with it was when I was 10. I was on vacation with my family in Disney World and like a kid like threw up on a ride or something. Somebody was throwing up somewhere. I don't even remember the exact thing, Mm -hmm. but I do remember after that the rest of the vacation I was in full panic mode in fear that I was gonna throw up too or that Mm -hmm. I like caught it yeah Mm -hmm. um and so I spent that whole vacation like just wanting to go home like full-blown panic attacks not really knowing why my parents were getting frustrated with me Mm because they're like 
Just get over Girl, it. Girl, you're in Disney World. Yeah. Like, chill out. We paid to be here. Get over yeah, it. Like, yeah, literally, yeah. I I stopped eating on Me the too. trip. Like, I refused to eat anything because I was like, mm-hmm. if I eat, I'm going to throw up. Yeah. Um, And that got really bad for me. Yeah. Like, throughout the next few years, it just it literally was like triggered overnight. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I struggled with eating. And like even still to this day, I'm super limited in what I allow myself to eat because I'm so afraid Dude, of yeah. throwing up. Yeah, I I don't know if you say probably, but like eating out like at a, a restaurant every oh, that's a single whole time, it's like, am I going to get sick from this? Like, I'm like, what if I get food poisoning? Or you hear someone like from like the dining hall, like at college or wherever you are, like they get sick from, like, I don't go to buffets. Nope. I don't touch buffets. Like if you suggest a buffet to me, I'd be like, are you crazy? Like, do you know? Like Like, that's disgusting. Like I can't. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Like you do you, I'm going to do me and it's not going to be a buffet. Right. Never. (laughs) And I only go to like certain restaurants that I'm comfortable with that I've either been to before or that a friend can like vouch. I read all the reviews. If there's one mm-hmm. review about somebody getting sick, I will not go. When I was in, uh, when I was 15, sophomore year of high school, I remember it, it was like, Ugh. I lost 20 pounds because I refused to eat. I lost 20 pounds at yeah. 15 because I refused to eat. My only safe foods were like things that like weren't meat. Like it was granola bars, a specific kind, apples and toast because that's the only thing I would eat. If I decided to try and eat something at night, and this is like when it kind of started getting worse, and I was like, all right, calm down, was when, <laughs> was when I would start like chewing my food and spitting it back out into the yep. trash. Yep. I was like, I'm like, because in my head, I'm like, if I don't eat, I'm not going to get sick. And if I chew the food, then maybe my brain will like trick some hormone or stomach or whatever yep. and think I'm full. And then I snapped out of that because um, one of my good friends, she told me, she was like, you know, you're like ruining your body and like destroying your immune system, right? Like if you don't eat and you don't give your body the nutrients, like you're going to get sick. Like it's almost guaranteed that you're going to get sick. And I'm like, well, well so now what? Now I'm in this true. dilemma. <laughs> do I starve? Do I die? Do I not? I was like, like I'm going to die either way. Like what yeah. do I do? So I was like, I'm just kidding. But like, um. I don't know. Like, that just kind of, like, clicked in my head because she was, like, we've been friends since we were little. So I was, like, I, like she knows me better than anyone. Like, I'll give it a shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was, like, still sticking to my safe foods, like, the, the top three things. Or I'll do, like, chicken that I cooked that I know is, like, well done or, like berries or something because in my mind i'm like well you know like if i'm not dizzy from like low blood sugar i'm probably fine right like Like, that's good enough but like i kind of started from there and then little by little i just kind of like took it back yeah it's like really scary Mm because for me i i developed like afrid Mm -hmm. um and i have still kind of to this day but it's gotten a lot better like basically an extreme phobia of eating Mm -hmm. But because I was so afraid of throwing up, like, I literally was afraid of food. And it's, like, the same thing you were saying. There were maybe four things I would eat, and I couldn't eat at friends' houses. I couldn't eat at, like, my my boyfriend at the time's house. If his family cooked for me, literally couldn't do it. Couldn't eat at restaurants. It had to be the same, like, two restaurants. Couldn't eat fast food. Um, It was so – it just was so consuming, that's the thing with this is though it's like it's so time consuming because there's not a moment in your life where like you're not thinking about it it relates to 
everything everything touching a doorknob how you wash your hands i used to wash my hands until they bled and then i wouldn't like put lotion or moisturizer on at all because i was like well if my hands are sticky and if they're wet then like germs are going to stick to them and then i'll maybe i'll touch my face and then maybe i'll catch the flu or something and i'm like please (laughs) i was like please literally it's like same it's horrible i mean even like going to the gym or exercising Mm -hmm. or going for a walk it was like what if i overheat and i get nauseous and i throw up what if i pass out and throw up Mm -hmm. what if i you know overwork my body and throw up um couldn't go on vacation anymore because i'm like oh if i go to florida I go on a Disney trip with my family Mm because my family's obsessed with Disney, by the way. So we would go to Disney like way too much. As you horrible. Well, no, (laughs) horrible. (laughs) Uh, But we would go to Disney like multiple times a year, and I would stay home. Like they, I would be like, I'm not going because it's 90 degrees, and that means I could get heat anxiety and throw up. So yours is less so contamination and more like overworking your body. Oh, it's both. Or is it like it's anything? It's everything. Okay. Yeah. I mean, with <laughs> contamination, I literally they couldn't eat foods that anybody else handled in any capacity because yeah. I was afraid. Like, I would ask my mom a million times, did you wash your hands before you touch this? Did you clean the plate? Are you sure there was no cross-contamination? Like, so many just random things that yeah. people don't think about that. No, I... It, what reminded me when you said the dishes or anything is like I can't wash dishes like I can and I'm a lot better than I used to but I had a roommate last year and she was in charge of the dishes because it would set off my OCD because I would always feel like it wasn't clean enough yep. and like what if those germs went to like the neck and like it's completely irrational it is I mean it's irrational in those senses but like the other thing with emetophobia is that it's kind of like almost rational because it's like yeah, it's you too could. rational. You it's could too, get sick. Like, yeah. it, you could get dizzy. You could get overworked. You could get overheated. Or yeah, you could catch the flu. Or you could catch the stomach bug. Or the stomach bug. Or you could get food poisoning out of nowhere. I mean, the amount of stories I've heard from people getting food poisoning from like where they probably shouldn't have, like not even like meat or anything. I'm like, okay, right? Like the <laughs> romaine lettuce um, stomach virus outbreak. Wait, what? That it was years ago. Oh, Chipotle? It was the Chipotle thing. I yeah, Chipotle yeah. Now. I had I had to grow out of that. I was like, we I are had getting to Chipotle. Too. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so good. And it's so worth the anxiety. I know. Like, worth it. <laughs> yeah. But there's just there's so many things. Like if anyone even says, Oh, last week I had this stomach bug. I freak out. I, I shut down. Literally consider like never speaking to them again. <gasps> Me too. I'm oh like, gosh. you are infected. Um, I don't want to see you, talk to you, and they get so offended. And like, I get it because I would be too. Yeah. But then your brain is like, don't feel bad. Right. They're sick. You don't want to be sick. Don't. And they're and they're completely better. It was like a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. But your mind is still like, that's an opportunity yeah. to throw up. Mm-hmm. And that's just so scary. This might be a weird question, but like, when was the last time you threw up? Like, oh actually God, I threw this up? Question. I'm kind of proud of it. Um, I haven't thrown up since I was like a little kid. <laughs> that okay? That's bizarre yes, too, because yes. it's like most people who have emetophobia mm-hmm. don't throw up. They're not common pukers. Like, <laughs> no one's throwing up. My boyfriend, I feel like pukes like all the time, and like, <laughs> I know. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, the that first time my word. boyfriend threw up in front of me, <laughs> I was like, I don't love you anymore. <laughs> so dramatic but yeah i feel that oh my he'll text me and he'll be like because we've been long distance for a long time okay we're together now that like things have settled down but like he would just be like oh yeah like i just didn't feel good because he has like a terrible immune system or something and like don't talk to me about it don't tell me about it i won't kiss you anymore like (laughs) like, 
<laughs> Listen, I'm just like, ugh, I'm way past how I used to be. Yeah. I used to be so, so bad. And I, I don't know if it was just like how I developed as a kid or like, I don't know. Well, no, because you had it as a kid too. Yeah. I'm very stubborn though. I was like, I'm not going to let this control me. And I literally just, I changed everything about my mind because right. I, I had to. Like I couldn't live like that yeah and it was so time consuming and it wasn't just emetophobia it was oh god it was like ocd just in general i struggled with like contamination ocd Mm -hmm. and that's where emetophobia came but the core of it was my ocd yeah you know what i mean yeah because for me my (laughs) ocd is compulsive thoughts and obsessive thinking Mm -hmm. um like i will just get stuck on something like any sort of hyper fixation i think it has a lot of crossover with my adhd oh yeah um and i will like think about it to the point where like it makes me feel insane yeah and i can't stop Mm -hmm. and it'll be like the most random thing um this one's so random but i think it's all related to my fear of throwing up when i see a pregnant person Stop it. I was literally just talking about that. I was literally okay, keep going. Sorry. Was, no, go ahead. Just, go ahead. No, 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 no. So like <laughs> I get so angry when I see pregnancy. Me too. I feel like I'm gonna catch the pregnancy. Me too. I it's <laughs> like I'm literally I afraid can't. that if I look at them and we make eye contact that I'm gonna get pregnant and that somebody close to me is gonna die. Like that's the correlation. Yes. I'm like, if I make eye contact, someone I know is gonna die and I'm gonna get pregnant. Yeah. No, mine is like, I look at you and like my anxiety shows up in like anger, very much anger. Like I'm quick. If I'm anxious, I'm like, get away from me. (laughs) Don't talk to me. Literally. And if I see a a pregnant person, I I just like my brain like flips. I am like, I don't want to be near you. I don't want to see you throw up. I don't want to catch the pregnancy. I don't want to be pregnant and get sick. Like God forbid, like I'm not going through like nine months of that or like a first trimester of that. I'm not I'm not doing it. <laughs> I <laughs> so scared. would literally rather be dead. That's what I'm saying. To be saying. honest with you. And I want kids. That's the sad part <sighs> is like, like I, I, I do and I don't, but I do. And I just need to get through this fear. I don't like saying get over this fear because like that's really not how it works. Like you can't just be like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, I think there's always going to be like pieces of it. Oh, there's Kind of linger. Pieces. Yeah. But absolutely. there's ways to cope with it in yeah, your absolutely. day-to-day life. When it stems from OCD too, it's like, you have to retrain your mind oh, and basically absolutely. convince yourself that you are safe in a way. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, the day that I throw up is the day I'm back to square one. Same. It's like, okay, well, I made it this far. Now I can't trust myself. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I didn't do all my rituals and didn't do all my things and I wound up throwing up. Yeah. Yep. It's it's absolutely your mind taking over like it's it's like your brain takes advantage of this one little weakness that you have yeah. and it just like goes full force and like runs yeah. with it so i was 15 when it peaked it yeah. was like flu season like winter god forbid winter comes around and flu season comes around and if you're near me and you're sick don't i'm 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 leaving the room I'm out. or yeah. i'm telling you to leave the room go home if you're sick at your work like why why are you showing up to work when you're sick yeah be for real oh so i was 15 when it got really really bad right and i i feel like i lost a lot of my friend group from that because i never wanted to go out yeah or one of them was sick or one of their siblings was sick and like in my head i'm like okay you might not feel sick but you could be a carrier therefore i'm not yeah. going near you so what was covid like for you Awful. Oh, my God. I was on senior trip when COVID came around. And it was really? my, my friends and I, and we had gone on our own little trip to Florida, and we had gotten the news. And I was I was so mean. I was so rude. I was probably, like, blame obnoxious to be around. But, like, I had probably the worst panic attack of my life. Oh, my God. 
from just hearing that this was like a real possibility because like the thing with like my anxiety is that it's like it's weird because I have like kind of like a sound mind like I'm very proud of the fact that my mind is like able to like rationalize things I think that's actually like a coping mechanism that's like really not actually good (laughs) but um in my mind I'm like all right well at least like I know that there's logic and it's just not just run by emotion yeah um because I've worked very hard to move out of just emotion and like kind of combine them together i was like trying to calm down but i just could not calm down and like i was like sweating i all i could do was sleep it off and like even when i woke up it was like awful and i was like COVID's not gonna be a real thing but like it's gonna be a real thing and then when i was 16 so this is before the pandemic um like five years before the pandemic i was like i can't keep doing this anymore i'm so tired of it my mom had recently had a surgery and we were eating um i think it was dinner and she got sick and she got sick in like the kitchen sink. And I was standing in the corner just like holding myself. I'm like, what do I, what do I do? That happened, that exact thing happened to me before. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and like she held me afterwards. She's like, it's okay, it's fine. And I don't remember anything before and after that. I just remember the moment she's getting sick. And I remember the moment she's out telling me it's fine. And I'm like, it's not fine. Get away from me. Like, like thank you so much like, for saying that. But now you are a red flag. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm like, get away from me. But yeah. Like in my mind, like it's really like not that serious. Like, if you really think about it, like, okay, I'm going to really throw up. I'll probably feel better afterwards. Yeah. Like, everything's going to be good. Mm-hmm. But ye- in the moment, like, if you even – I don't know if you feel this way, but, like, the second my body feels slightly off, like, I'm, I'm on a homeostasis in some mm-hmm. way, whether it's, oh, my head kind of hurts or I'm a little bit warmer than usual mm-hmm. or just something random, you're like, well, I'm on it. Now like, – I can't trust it. Yeah. And it'll send me into, like, a full panic as soon as I notice something is off. Yeah. And it's so intense. It's like, yeah. maybe you're just warm. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you just need to take not... your sweater off. <laughs> yeah. But in my head, I'm like, okay, and I have a fever of 115. Mm-hmm. I'm dead. Yeah. I'm just somehow still conscious, and I'm going to throw up any second. And, and here like, it comes. And there's no coming back from it. Like, no. this is it. Like, you're just lying dead like a Victorian child. You Literally, you're done for. <laughs> like, you're done you for. Tucked so. in, pale, and dead. You're gone. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> I do have an interesting question that kind of popped up. What is mm-hmm. your relationship with alcohol? I started experimenting with alcohol and, like, started actually drinking, like, way later than I probably should have. I was probably, like, 18, 19. Um, I would have, like, sips of it here and there, but, like, never enough to have a buzz as a kid. So my emetophobia was, like, terrible when I was, like, 15, 16. I got, like, through it, got over it, rewired my brain by the time I was, like, 18, 19. How old are you now? I'm 21. Okay. I'm 21 now, so. I've, like, drank way too much before. Um, I've, you know, to the point of, like, almost throwing up, like, very close. Like, like you should have. Like, I should have. And, like, I'm surprised that I didn't. Probably the only reason why I did it is because I just fell asleep or something. Like, now I don't drink like I used to because, like, I realize that it's a depressant and it's kind of, like, poison for your body and whatever. But, like, I don't fear throwing up from it. If I see someone else throwing up from something that's, like, not something that I can catch, such as, like, the flu mm. or the stomach bug and if they're sick with like i don't know like food poisoning like you can't catch food poisoning from them or if they're just drunk and they're throwing up all over the place like i i can't catch that yeah so it's like me trying to be rational is like i'm okay i'm fine i'm not gonna get sick from this i didn't drink as much as them. i didn't drink as much as them i can't get sick from this because you know it's not something i can catch that was like a really big step in like my 
emetophobia because I was like, if I can't get sick, then is it really going to hurt me? I hate it. I hate the sound of it. Yes. But like I can get through that and like I can expose myself to that, whatever it is. And it's like, I still don't want to look at it, but like, God forbid one day, like I have to, like, and I've had to take care of friends who are like getting sick all over the place. You know what I mean? Because they're drunk, but like, I don't know. Like as a kid, I could not handle that. But like now that I'm grown and I'm like, I need to be able to function in my everyday life. Like, I was like, I can kind of handle that. I don't want to, but, like, I can't. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. If I see somebody else throwing up, like, for anything, it, yeah. do- it literally doesn't matter if I can catch it or not. My brain tells me, like, you're gonna get you're next. Yeah. <laughs> get ready. Tie the hair up, girl. You're, <laughs> you're next. Oh, my God. No. It's really bad. Mm-mm. So I, I'm a waitress. I work in the food industry. The thought of being like around all of that food like what if i serve something to someone and it makes them sick or what if they like get sick in the bath i've heard people get sick in the bathroom i've heard horror stories of like the the bussers like the people take care of the dishes and stuff they'd have to go out to the front and like clean vomit off the handle because they didn't make it to the bathroom in time but like (laughs) i was like i'm so glad i wasn't there for that shift because i would have cried and left like disgusting yeah Yeah. not much no it's so bizarre how one little thing mm-hmm. that's like not it's just a bodily function yeah it's just something that our body does to keep us like to get a bacteria or like a virus out or yeah, it's, it's, to get it's a just bad trying to make you feel better <laughs> like, yeah it doesn't mean yeah. yeah basically the last time i threw up i got surgery i was on a painkiller that I wound up being allergic to, oh like mixed with the antibiotic I was on. Mm-hmm. I'm at my mom's house, and all of a sudden, I just kind of had this, you know, the feeling mm-hmm. right before you're gonna throw up. Like you mm-hmm. can just sense it. Your body gets like kind of hot. You start salivating. Yeah, and you're like, I, don't I just feel knew. Good. Yeah, I was fighting it bad, and I went downstairs. I was like, Mom, I I'm gonna throw up. I'm so scared. Like full panic attack we realized it was probably my medicine because i was like breaking out in this rash it was horrible she's like okay just go in the bathroom i'm like i can't once i go in the bathroom like it's real it's really happening Mm -hmm. um and she's like madison you have to go in the bathroom like please it's gonna happen we'll worry about it after like you're gonna throw up like she could see it Mm -hmm. i was literally like pushing it down you were like green in the face i was like gagging and like wouldn't throw i was it was horrible so So she like drags me into the bathroom she's like girl just it will be over in five seconds. Like, your body clearly needs to get this medicine mm-hmm. out. So just throw up. Like, please. I am refusing so bad that when I couldn't resist it anymore, my mom is trying to bend me over the toilet. I put my head back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He's like, if it's going to be like what I think it is. <laughs> I literally put my head back and tried to choke myself on, on my vomit. Oh my god! Are you serious? So damn. (laughs) I leaned back. I was puking like up, um, and it was going back into my throat. Like that's how. Wow. That is. (laughs) But doesn't that make you feel worse though? It makes me feel like I need to be put away. No, not like that. I mean, I mean, like physically speaking, like you're choking and you vomit at that point and be like, all right, get out of me. Like, no, no, because I can't say that because then. I wish I could. Because like, then it feels like you lose. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. what it feels like. You throw up and you're like, I lost. Like, I, I, I can't. did the thing I've been avoiding for the last yeah, 10 years. I, I was just the thing I said I would never do. Or I became <laughs> what I wanted to never become or something like, like that. Literally. <laughs> but did you but, feel better? 
I did. Like, I did feel better. Okay. It was so dramatic of me. Like, and it felt like an out-of-body experience almost. Like, I didn't think, like, okay, next I'm going to choke myself on my vomit so I can avoid this. It's just, Mm -hmm. that was my reaction. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, a conscious thought. It was like, it's just going to happen. Like, I guess this is what I have to do to survive this. (laughs) Not survive it, girl. You're going to choke and die. (laughs) For some reason, my brain was like, yeah, that's better than just Isn't throwing up crazy what your brain convinces you to do like it's unwell it's like just yeah it's actually insane because like your brain is like this is better than this but not better than that and it's like it's wrong <laughs> your brain has like so much power over you like your yeah. mind your mind literally just like takes off yeah, <laughs> like it's... especially when you have a fear for people who don't understand like how we feel about the fear of vomit If you have a fear of snakes or if you have a fear of spiders, if you have a really deep fear of, like, either one of those, like, insects in general or whatever, you know how those people, like, they get up and, like, they dance and they're like, oh, my God, like, whatever? That's kind of what we feel like. But instead of, like, freaking out, like, and, like, you can see, like, our hands moving, it's more like you're sitting in that anxiety. It's, like, in your head. It's in your head. And it's, like, from my – I would have panic attacks all the time i couldn't sleep i would have like um middle of the night like panic attacks and i would wake up in like a sweat and like i don't even think i'd have like a bad dream or anything it would just wake up in like i think they're called nighttime night panic attacks or something i remember like waking my mom up because i was freaking out so bad i'm like like i'm like i'm gonna get sick like i'm gonna be sick i don't want to be sick and whatever and i just end up like laying on the bathroom floor and like oh i'm not gonna be sick like i just worked myself up you literally, Every like, time. make it up, too. You make it up. I would make, like, a pathway to, like, the bathroom, make sure, like, my room was clear <laughs> so I could run if I needed to. Or <laughs> I would have, do like, the same thing. Yes, or I would have, like, a trash can next to me. My mom's like, do you not feel good? I'm like, I feel fine. It's <laughs> like, just in case. It's just in case. Like, what if you wake up in the middle of the night, like, sick? And she's like, you're being ridiculous. And I'm like, maybe, but this makes me feel better. Yeah, if and it makes you feel like, better, I'm like. Yeah. It was like for a long time. I lived my life like that for a long, long time. And it's so debilitating. It takes so much away from you. You lose so much. Like I've yeah. probably lost out on a good year of socializing, like learning how to socialize. Like I'm barely like skimming the surface of that. That's something I've recently learned that like you need to work on. But like when I was a kid, like I was just focused on surviving. You know what I mean? Right. Like, which is so dramatic because I don't come from like a bad background, you know, like in my mind, I was struggling with this daily. And if it wasn't emetophobia, it was like other OCD related things. Right. So it was like, if I didn't take two or three sips from the bottle, like if I didn't take the third sip from the bottle, my mom would die. If I didn't, pray, yep. my knees are permanently damaged because I, I guess it's a thing in OCD. I just, I just recently found out that like people like over pray. So I would over pray. I had like a ritual because I grew up Catholic. So I would over pray and I wouldn't use a pillow like on my knees when I was like praying to the Bible, whatever, because I was like, okay, the more pain I am, the more seriously God will take me. I don't know. Like, it was just like, if I get this pain now, I don't have to suffer a pain later. And like, I'm paying for it now because like my knees are messed up. (laughs) You would ask for forgiveness, forgiveness of others, for your parents, for your loved ones. And then you would say like, please protect them. And you would like cover like every surface. It'd be like- Like Just to make sure. Just to make Make your list, check it twice. Yeah, literally, I'd be like, God, I'm not playing. (laughs) Like, this, this is, is what I meant, and you can't twist my words because yeah. this is yeah. what I meant. I'm like, where do where do we come up with this? Where that's the thing that's is like crazy. we just come, like we're so like creative with it. So you said you tried therapy. 
mm-hmm. for metaphobia. So what was that like? Um, I'm curious to see if it was anything like mine was. <laughs> she honestly didn't really help too much. And I think that's because I didn't really help her to understand. So I, like, she would give me, like, little quizzes and stuff and, like, homework to see, like, where my mind was at. But I would either just, like, not really be truthful about it or, like, by the, you know, it's, like, you're not really, you're sick. And then by the time you get to the doctor, like, you feel better kind of thing. Yeah. That's how therapy is. Like, you, I agree. You, yeah. Like, you, you have all this stuff that you're, like, I'm going to talk about that in therapy. But then you get to therapy and you're, like, I feel fine. Like, everything's like, good. Like, like I, I have nothing to. Yeah, sorry to waste your time. I'm going to go over you. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how it was. It was, like, she tried to help me. And then I think around the time I started what I was talking about before, like, when I wouldn't eat or anything, I would, like, spit out my food or whatever. Yeah. She looked at me, and she was like, you what? <laughs> like, she literally like, oh, said yeah, that. No big deal. She, because, because up until that point, I hadn't told her anything. What do you mean? <laughs> she was like, so you've you've been dealing with this and doing this or not doing this. And she's like, and you haven't said anything? And I'm like, my bad. Like, I didn't think it was that serious. And then she's like, right. that's not normal. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> like, way, to make, way to make me feel bad. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Literally. But, yeah, so she didn't really do much. But, um, it, again, not her fault. Like, she was a wonderful girl. But um, I've learned that it's called, oh, God, EMDR. Yeah. Eye movement. Um, what's it called? Um, oh, my friend's dad does it. EMDR. I just forget what the D is for. For those who don't know who EM, what EMDR is, it's, like, you're kind of bringing, like, a specific – usually it's used for CPTSD people, like, com- complex PTSD. You can also use it with people with panic disorders or depression and anxiety or phobias now that they're using it on because it's very effective, supposedly. Um, and it's also really well-researched, which is really interesting. EMDR, you bring up something really traumatic, like a specific event or, like, a specific phobia in this case, and the therapist will kind of, like, walk you through that. And they'll be like, okay, well – um what feeling does this remind you of or what does this feel like when you do this and they kind of wait and watch for you to shut down or have some sort of reaction because then they know you're kind of into it and they do it's um like a bilateral something basically they're moving something back and forth whether it's like a like a ball on a screen or their finger in front of you or they'll do like butterfly taps and it's it's like bringing your brain from like this like crazy traumatic moment experience whatever the case might be and I don't want to misspeak but it's like it makes like new pathways in your brain kind of yeah and it, it like retrains and literally rewires your brain so it's supposed to either make it like go away completely or make it much more manageable, which is so interesting because it's it's literally just like moving your eyes back and forth. Just doing that can like change your life. Even with emetophobia, like my parents would get frustrated with me that I wouldn't eat certain things or that I was a picky yeah. eater or I was taking too much time to eat or whatever the case was. What I needed was for them to just like talk to me and, and maybe – You know, in my head, I didn't even know what was going on when I was 10 and, like, having a panic attack in Disney World. Like, I remember (laughs) sitting – we were, like, in a restaurant, and I just felt this, like, panic come over me. And I ran outside of the restaurant, like, sprinted through all these people, went outside, and my dad, like, chased after me. And we sat down, and I just remember crying and saying, like, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me, like, Mm -hmm. over and over again. And he was like, you're fine. Just go inside and eat your peanut butter and jelly. Oh, my God. And I'm like, yeah. I get it. Like, with the resources that they had to understand this stuff, mm-hmm. they probably thought I was just being a dramatic kid. Probably. But for me, it was like I genuinely thought that I 
was not normal and that like there was something seriously wrong with me and that that reiteration of like just go inside you're fine like that told me that like I was not worth fixing and so it continued and it it was something I couldn't talk about because Mm -hmm. it's like oh you know they're just gonna tell me okay wrap this up like that's enough you know like be done with the performance already yeah like you're so dramatic they don't realize like it's not your fault like you wouldn't be that way no if you couldn't you know if you could you wouldn't be afraid of anything right right and if someone would have just taken the time to like talk to this child this literal child who doesn't know why, why they're having these feelings and who's expressed like i don't know what's wrong with me mm-hmm. i don't know why i'm feeling this way all i needed was for somebody to just like be there and i feel like especially with phobias it's very like just do it or just yeah. stop being scared like it's not the same as being afraid of something mm-hmm. it's like a whole different level like there's a lot of things i'm afraid of but the phobia it's like a whole other thing it's <laughs> not comparable like i'm afraid of dogs but I can pet a dog. I have a family dog. Yeah. I don't mind dogs, but I'm afraid of them. But it doesn't hinder my ability to like. But your life doesn't revolve around. Yeah, I'm not like, hey, I can't go out not. today because yeah. I might see a dog. Yeah. For me, it's I can't go out today because I might catch a disease and yeah. grow up, or I might <laughs> yeah. get too hot, or I might be in the wrong place at the wrong time, mm-hmm. and I might throw up. And that's the difference. That's probably what our parents were struggling with, is that right. they just didn't get it. You know, right. that's not something they had to deal with before, ever, brand right. new to them, same as us. But I think the difference between, you know, adult and talking to the child is that the adult might be able to help us identify these feelings. Like, even if they don't completely understand, like, right. you can look at the panic on your child's face and be like, okay, panic isn't something that you just, like, fake you know what i mean like why is my child in so much distress and it's just like i don't know if it's because they thought they were failing as a parent or what insecurities they might have had or what like lack of knowledge it was exactly but it's like your kid's not okay right like it's very clear (laughs) this girl is shaking and quaking outside the disney hotel (laughs) like this is the happiest place on earth what is she doing over there like why is she (laughs) shucking her boots like help her how do you feel like your emetophobia or even OCD in general has Mm -hmm. impacted your relationships with other people? I'm very much on the other side. So, like, for anybody listening, like, you can... There's hope. There's hope. (laughs) You can get through it. Like, I did it. I will tell you a little bit, like, how I kind of navigated that and, like, got through it. But um, when it was really bad, I pretty much had no relationships or friendships or whatever the case was. Right. Um, Because you're not engaging in anything social that you could catch any sort Mm -hmm. of virus or having to eat out like eating is super social and that's really hard to do too very social yeah no um by the time flu season came around that was it like my friends never really saw me if they did i was a mess or i was awkward because i hadn't seen them in a while or whatever the case was did they know like what was going on one of them might have but she was dealing with her own stuff so I don't really ever have, I don't think I've ever held it against her. I don't think I ever would either because we were kids, you right, know? Right, We were just figuring it out. But like, as for my other friends who did and who didn't know, I feel like they, if they were actual friends, they would have handled it a lot differently. Yeah. I'm giving that one friend a pass because she was really going through some hard things. I was just a very isolating thing because yeah. they stopped inviting me to places or they stopped being like, hey, like, 
you want to come out or whatever? I'm like, no, because like you're sick or your brother was sick and I don't right. want to get sick and you might be a carrier. My mom and I had like a really rough patch too because she didn't understand like where this fear was coming from, why I was this way, why like I was praying unnecessarily and I like hurting myself. You're being ridiculous, but in my end, I'm like, no, I'm being perfectly rational because I haven't thrown up in years. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like I fought like, it. I'm fighting. Fought it, and I got. I'm a soldier, survivor, fighter, we war veteran. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what about you? Like, growing up and now? Like, oh gosh, I feel like I didn't even realize the impacts that it had mm-hmm. in the moment. Like, I didn't realize why I would isolate or why I would do some of the things I would do. Looking back, I would say the the time where it, it has had the biggest impact has been probably the last like three years or so, especially when I was living in the city um, because there's so much opportunity to get sick. Yes. Like everything is grimy and slimy and yeah. going like on the subway and touching one of the the handles or whatever, especially in the summer. I have like a huge problem with summer really i hate summer because um i get like heat anxiety because i'm Mm. afraid it's gonna make me throw up like i'm gonna overheat and throw up or pass out or get a headache and then throw up like it's all kind of related to that so over the summer i really wouldn't see any of my friends Hmm. and i just be like oh i'm busy i'm working i'm you know just not available to you and Mm -hmm. eventually people stop asking because like when i say no to everything for like months on end it's like okay she's gonna say no we're not gonna bother it can still be hard for me to like go out to eat or even drinking like my relationship with alcohol is not a good one like i well i guess it might be good i don't really drink ever (laughs) that's a good thing (laughs) could be a good thing um yeah like rarely drink because i am so afraid of throwing up from it Mm -hmm. but it makes it hard to be social and it's like i actually do want to drink and like i actually do want to go out with my friends and not be panicking the whole time can you think of a time in your life where you weren't struggling with this phobia no wow so you've gone 24 years where you're just like yeah every single day of your life this is what you've struggled with yeah. I I don't always give you props or tell you I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I know. It was so bad when I I know how bad it was. It's I'm like sorry. it's unbearable. I mean, it's yeah. definitely gotten better just because I I also got to that point of like I can't live like this. Mm-hmm. This is really bad and if I continue, like I'm going to wind up isolating and probably starving myself to death. Yep. Honestly. Yeah. I just don't want to do that. Because I want to not be this way so badly. Mm -hmm. It's like constantly fighting myself. Like, I don't want to be this way. But you have to be this way because it's keeping you safe. Mm -hmm. But then you're like, no, it's actually not. It's like hindering your life. But then you're like, but you haven't thrown up in X amount of time. Mm -hmm. So I just constantly feel like I'm fighting myself. And I can't just, like, be the person that I am. Okay. Because it's constantly being altered by this fear. It's like this feeling of, like, you're never going to be present like you're never there because your your mind's always yeah. worried about this one thing in sp- yeah. particular and it's such an impending doom feeling yeah that's exactly what it is do you struggle with like panic attacks or anxiety attacks i would not classify myself as someone who has anxiety at all mm-hmm. outside of like throwing up okay and food okay but like in general like social anxiety not really like public speaking give me the mic <laughs> like i mean yeah here we are <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't really, I don't really have anxiety. I would, I wouldn't say, but do you? I used to have really bad anxiety. My anxiety yeah. is anger, or I completely shut down. 
Mm. entirely. How did you do this rewiring of your brain? Like what specific things helped you? What didn't work? Um, This is my favorite question in the world, maybe. I am a very stubborn person. You cannot make me do something unless I want to do it or I convince myself that I want to do it, right? right. So when I finally had the realization that my mind had control over me, and I think this is also a part of like me just having control issues in general, which I'm a lot better with now, I would literally tell my brain, like any thoughts that came into my mind, I would tell them to like F off, leave, like literally like off. Like I can't get out of here. Get out of here. Like I don't need you. Like you're irrelevant (laughs) like you're just an intrusive thought that's all you are and it worked any thought that came to my mind I'd be like all right out of here that's it like you're not invited here and that's that's how I started and then I figured out what exposure therapy was actually what's really interesting with the way I learned how to deal with my OCD is that like I didn't ever really think of like looking like I would look it up but like it would be most likely mostly like people with their own stories but they never really gave like an example of how they fixed it sometimes. They gave examples on how to cope with it, right? but not fix it. And I was like, I'm fixing this. Like we're not dealing with this. I'm not gonna do this for the rest of my life. Like I I can't. And like I was one of the lucky ones where I managed to get out of it. And that's because I would tell my intrusive thoughts to go away. One of the things I learned about anxiety in my psych class, by the way, game changer, is that when you're having like an anxiety attack or like a panic attack, or like you're very nervous about something, move. Like, if you are sitting there, move. Because it tells your brain, okay, I'm sitting in this anxiety and, like, this is where the danger is. But if, like, I move to the other room, I'm away from the anxiety. Yeah. It is so interesting. That That actually, that does help a lot. Or I would put things on my own terms. So, like, if my heart was racing because I was starting to get anxious or whatever because I thought I was going to be sick or, like, whatever the case is and, like, working myself up, I'm like, no. So then I would start, like, I would either hold my breath or do some, like, kind of, like, cardio, like, jumping jacks or whatever to get my own heart rate up and be like, see, like, I'm in control. Like, and it would rewire my brain. Interesting. Yeah, it was really fun. And I think maybe kind of telling those thoughts to just Go go away, it almost can become habit. You start to do it subconsciously after some time. At least I could imagine that maybe. Yeah, that's actually the reason why I don't have as many thoughts or as like as many like ruminations that I used to because I would tell them to go away and they did. Right. So it was like really fun to know that like I could do that and it works. And was like, it hard at home. first though, like convincing yourself that oh it was okay to let the thought go yeah the thing with anxiety is that you literally have to sit in it and the thing with emetophobia or any phobias or fears in general um you have to sit in it and that's like what exposure therapy is so i i learned through my own trial and error like what exposures could work so i would like instead of like watching someone get sick or something um i saw this one girl on tiktok what her therapist did with her was she had her list out like her trigger words so like nausea vomit my least favorite one is puke like i mm. there's something really gross about that one i hate the word if anyone says like that word i'm like get out of here (laughs) like get sick or something but for me it was like i would make myself sit in those anxieties and i was like i don't care how painful it is like yeah it is this momentary pain for like something that could last me a lifetime and it did it actually did which is like amazing it was really difficult sitting in those anxieties the first few times i said it i remember i was like oh my god like my mom's gonna die (laughs) i'm gonna get sick i'm gonna die like something's gonna happen and you know again like my emetophobia 
stemmed from my OCD. So right. I knew that like if I took care of my OCD, my emetophobia and like these rational, irrational phobias, whatever you want to call them, like they would probably go away and they did. What advice would you give to somebody who might be dealing with this or any sort of like OCD kind of compulsive um, thoughts or any really anything under the umbrella? What I know from my experience and my struggles, I got better. For the people who may not have those resources available, like therapy or anything related to that, or even like a support group, you can do it on your own. Yeah, like you, <laughs> like, you didn't use you can. your therapist really, like that didn't even work mm-hmm. out for you. No, and I'm still on the other side of it. Yeah, so it's like not inessential. <laughs> it's like you can want it so badly, but did you, did you really like... For like for my for me as a kid, it was like I was saying that I wanted it, and I'm not saying this for you because I know how badly you want it because you've right. been doing this for years and you're grown and you're like I still hate this. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like oh my god, somebody let me out. Yeah, but like as a kid, as a kid specifically, um, you know, I was like oh like I just don't I don't want, I don't want to struggle with this anymore. But then like once I really decided and my brain was like full fledged of like I'm not doing this anymore. I'm tired of it and I'm not yeah. doing it and you can't tell me that I will because I'm not doing it. That's you can do it on your own. I yeah. did it on my own. <laughs> yeah, you kind of like reached a breaking point essentially. Yeah, you're like, yep, did. let's wrap this up. I, like, I, we're not doing this anymore. I really did. And I, you know, like my best advice is to tell those thoughts to literally go away. Out loud, mean it like you're talking to someone you fucking hate. Like, yeah. mean it. Say like, go, like, leave. Like, you're not, we don't need you here. Right. <laughs> Even if you don't have those resources or that support, um, you can do it on your own. I did it on my own because people either didn't believe me or they didn't take me seriously or I just didn't think therapy was working for me. Right. I just learned how to deal with it on my own by telling those thoughts to go away. You're not welcome here and I'm not doing this anymore because right. <laughs> I can't live my life like this. I've, I've lost so many relationships and people you know what I mean? And even to this day, like the people that I knew back in high school, like I'm sure they don't really know me that well. You yeah, know? They, they think of a completely like different person. When they yeah, think of you. absolutely. Like and someone you just don't even associate with. Yeah, anymore. which is probably a good thing. Like you're not supposed yeah. to be who you were when you were 16. Yeah. Obviously. But like in the sense of like my mental state is a lot better than it used to be. Yeah. So for people who are struggling with this and they feel like they'll never be on the other side of it, you will be. <laughs> you know, it just takes time and determination. And that might be so frustrating for someone to hear um, who's been dealing with it and they feel like they can't be on the other side of it. But like there will always be that one thing that clicks at some point. Like, right. You know what I mean? That you're you just have to like, be hopeful it. for that. Like yeah. you have to just keep looking for that thing that's yeah. going to make sense or like yeah. that that coping mechanism or whatever it is mm-hmm. it's just going to work it just clicks and yeah. then you're like well there you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, now you feel better or you feel like you can at least handle it or you aren't thinking of it 24 7 like maybe right. like 23 6 but like right. let's like, cut it back a little <laughs> bit like just one hour of freedom time. please <laughs> um exposure therapy is like what got me through it personally um i went at my own pace very very slow i think it probably took about like close to a year like for me to really get onto the other side of it and probably a little longer than that until i realized that i wasn't struggling with like ocd related stuff anymore like i still notice my little tendencies every now and then but it's not debilitating in my mind at least it's like well does it bother you no okay then don't worry about it you're good right you know what i mean yeah but like emetophobia bothered me obviously and i was like all right well now we gotta work on this yeah then we did have you found anything that like lessens the blow I think for me, it's actually being conscious of it because mm-hmm. for so long, I didn't know why I was struggling with 
eating and why I had all these fears around food or going out or going to restaurants or whatever it was. So once I kind of realized, oh, this is all kind of related to my fear of throwing up, um, I think just making that connection for me was really huge Mm -hmm. because once you kind of have the language to understand something, you can take the next steps. And so I think it was just like talking to my family about it and saying like, hey, I finally figured out what this is called and like what this means and like what to do Mm -hmm. to take steps to maybe get through it. Just knowing what it was and knowing that I can do something was like kind of helpful for me. Yeah, this whole thing and like any sort of process of getting better is like baby steps. Baby, baby, baby steps. Because if you are someone who has like a severe enough phobia, anything feels like it is too much. There has been a point where I I remember we went on a trip to like, I think it was Florida and I was on a plane and God forbid we're on a plane. Like you can't go anywhere. You and you're like the most out of control that you can be because you can't get up out of your seat. You can't, if you're sick, you get into this little bag. What if the bag spills everywhere? Like like, Mm, I literally had to like, <laughs> like I, whenever I'd go on planes, I would yeah. have to put the bag like away. Like I couldn't even look at the bag. Yeah. So I was like, mm-hmm. if I look at it, it's going to make me throw up. Yeah. Like we were on the plane and it was myself, my mom and my best friend. And I thought I was going to be sick. I, I think I had like some like little bit of like altitude sickness or whatever mm-hmm. it might have been. But it wasn't that. It was my anxiety, yep. and my fear of getting sick. Like you're just like working yourself up this and you entire spiral. time, and you spiral. And she's standing ne- like sitting next. Not standing. We're on a plane. She's sitting next to me, and she's like, "I'm like, all right, just talk to me. Fill my brain with something other than like what I'm thinking about yeah. right now." And she's the, one of the best people I know. And she like she's like, "All right, I got you." <laughs> yeah. So she started talking and talking and talking, and there was like some point in the conversation that like my brain like irrationally connected one word that she had said to like something relating to getting sick and I was like all right shut up I was like yeah I was like just stop talking yeah as soon (laughs) as you circle back to like mm -hmm. that your brain goes in circles and it's so weird how it connects things that it's like are you being real are you being for no it is so just the the pathways that your brain it's so makes to make you feel horrible yeah (laughs) girl you're supposed to be working with me yeah so thank you so much for coming in and talking about this today I know it's like hard to talk about these things and like really get into it but I'm sure it will be so appreciated by anyone watching this if it helps like just one person to know that they're not alone because I didn't even know it was a thing right that's what I'm saying like just having the language to know what it is and then look into it and and find resources Mm -hmm. that's kind of how we can move forward no it definitely is and it's it's comforting to know that you're like not alone yeah in what you're dealing with even if it feels ridiculous like you're not the only one dealing with it absolutely yeah even like even just us talking about this right now like i'm like yeah i I don't feel crazy yeah literally (laughs) i'm like i could probably tell you some of the the deep crazy thoughts i've had about this um and you'd be like yeah same yeah you could totally tell me like off camera too like i'm fine with that like (laughs) yes well thank you so much for coming on today yeah well thank you for having me i love having this talk 
Thank you guys so much for watching or listening to this episode of the And Also podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. If you are not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, definitely subscribe. Give this video a thumbs up and leave a comment with your thoughts below. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, definitely rate the podcast five stars and add it to your podcast playlist. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in. I appreciate all of your support, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye!